If your Bibles uh, turn to Genesis 11, we continue our study of the book of, G- of Genesis. We now come to Genesis 11, the story of the Tower of Babel. And to understand it, to put this story of the Tower of Babel in context, we need to remember where we have been throughout Romans 1 through 11. Uh, Romans, good night. <laughs> Welcome to the story. Yeah, Romans. It's going to be a long morning, my friends. We need to understand where we've been in Genesis, Genesis 1 through 11. The story of the Bible is that we, as human beings, are made in the image of God. And being made in the image of God means that we, that we represent God to the world, that we, we are supposed to manage the world under God's authority. It also means that we can know God personally. In other words, as image bearers, our identity and purpose given to us by our creator God, it revolves completely around God and nothing else. But of course, the story of Genesis 1 through 11 is that the problems that we have as human beings is that all of us are prone to try and build our identity or our purpose without reference to God. We continually attempt to run our lives and the world around us as if we are God. And if you haven't noticed, we've made quite a mess of things on this planet. And so in Genesis 11, we need to see two pictures of vital importance to us. The first picture is we need to see a picture of ourselves in the Tower of Babel story. Second, we need to see a picture of of God and and who he is and how he attempts to rescue us from our Tower of Babel tendencies. And then I want to use this text to orient us as we prepare to celebrate the Lord's table. So first, the picture of ourselves. The first picture that is obvious in, in, in the Tower of Babel story is that we are all continually trying to build our identity around anything other than God. Now we're told in this story that everyone at this time after the flood spoke the same language. That's in verse 1. In verse 2 we're told that a group of people began to settle, settle in Shinar. This is most likely in the present country of Iraq near Babylon. Their plan, according to verse 3, was to come together to make bricks. And in verse 4 we read, Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. Now building a city as they were doing, and even building this tower in and of itself was not necessarily the problem. But the problem with the project, this Tower of Babel project, was threefold. Number one, God had told human beings to disperse, to spread out over the earth, and they weren't doing that. 
They wanted to all stay together. They were disobeying the command of God. But maybe even more importantly, this project, this Tower of Babel project, was an attempt to make themselves get to heaven, get to God in their own power, in their own strength, through their own human effort and performance. It was an exclusive human project to get to God on their own terms rather than God's. And of course, as we see from verse 4, a major focus of this project was to make a name for themselves. God was superfluous to this project. His purposes, his vision for human beings being made in the image of God was not primary for this group. They were trying to make a name for themselves as they attempted to get to God in their own effort, in their own strength, in their own power. And this is a picture of us, of ourselves. We tend to forget that we were made in the image of God. We, can, we, we, we are prone to forget where our identity really lies, that our worth and dignity come from God, that our purposes and identity is to be lived out in, in light of who God is and who God says we are. And we will attempt to make a name for ourselves and center our purposes and identity on anything other than God himself. We do this in a thousand and one ways. Let me just give you a couple. I was a youth pastor many years ago here at Westerly Road. I saw it with my own eyes. Parents and high school students focusing on building their college resume. Now, it's not bad to go to college and it's not bad to put a good effort to get into a a good school, of course. But what I observed is too many people, both parents and the students themselves, spend a whole lot of time focusing on getting into the right school by building a resume and very little time of trying to understand, is this what God would have me do in this, my time in high school to serve him? was all about getting into the right school and lots of good things were sacrificed in order to do that. I don't know how many times parents and students would tell me, I'd love to come to youth group and have fellowship with my peers to grow in Christ, but I'm too busy doing X, Y, Z because I've got to get into this school. purposes of God, the identity that we should have in God plus nothing else was being crowded out by an identity and purpose that was all designed to try to get people to make a name for themselves, either make a name for their child or make a name for the the students. Fellowship and outreach and basic Christian disciplines were all put aside in this pursuit of making a name for themselves through performance, through getting into the right school with all these extra activities. Well, that's just one way to orient our life. Others of us tend to put our focus on our career. 
Others focus on sort of making sure we have some kind of a relationship, a girlfriend or a boyfriend. Some uh, of our pursuit is, is really based on focusing our attention on, on, on having a hobby of some kind, having something outside of work that really is the focus of our life. It's really where our identity and purpose are lived out functionally. Another way we mirror what we see on the plane of Shinar is that we struggle to believe that God is a God of grace and mercy. We believe that God will, ju- will basically, our relationship with God is based upon our performance. We have to earn our way with God. We have to do a bunch of things so that God will like us and accept us. This is what was going on in the plains of Shinar with this, this human effort to get to God on their own. But you may not have a tower of Babel in your backyard, but you do it. And when you fail and when you fall into sin and when you're tempted and you don't respond well, you often get overwhelmed with your sin rather than taking that sin to the cross of Jesus Christ and understand that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The builders of this tower believed that their own efforts could reach God. God. The God of the Bible is one who wants to pour out his gift of grace to us through Jesus. God makes a way for us to relate to him based on his sacrifice on the cross, not our performance of good works. There's another way that we reflect what is happening there on the Tower of Babel is that I think a lot of us have a hard time accepting that we actually are made in God's image. You think God may have made a mistake. We struggle to believe that God's image, the image that we bear, gives us dignity, worth, and value. In and of itself, who we are is exactly who God wanted us to be in, in, in some sense, and, and, and we can't accept that fact. And so we take drastic action to make us into the image that we think we must have to have worth and dignity. I suspect there's a number of you that wish you were smarter than you are or you wish you were 15 pounds less than you are, or some of you may wish you were 15 pounds more than you are. Some of you, listen, you know, know, I've heard people talk about their desire, if they had more money, they would have more plastic surgery. Some people, you know, want a hair replacement. We have an offering for that. It's part of our end of the year giving. If I could make more money, if I could, if, if I could just be better at the, my musical pursuits, if I could just be better athletically, we fail to accept that we are made in the image of God himself. That we have dignity and worth because of what he did. And too many of us, I think, would feel like they would feel better about themselves if they could change their body, change their giftings, change my appearance, change my career, change my gender. All of these are all of the same, the same issues for us. 
We cannot and we don't build ourselves functionally in the image of God that we bear and we try desperately in our own efforts to build this into our image, the image that we want. And all of that tends to destroy and be destructive in how we live our lives with ourselves, but also how we live our lives with other people. So that's the first picture. And I would encourage you this afternoon, some of you, um, um, you should look at Genesis 11, 1 9. It's a beautiful text. It's, it's very poetically uh, organized. There's a wonderful chiastic structure to it. But we'll leave there by saying that the Tower of Babel pictures what we all tend to do. There's a second picture of God, uh, about God that we need to understand, and that is this. God is sovereign, and he continually works for our good in spite of our plans. Take a look at verse 5. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men had built. And the Lord said, behold, they are one people, and they all have one language, and this is only the beginning of what they will do, and nothing that they purpose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let's go down there and confuse their language so that they may not understand one another's speech. And so the Lord does that. You notice what God does. God comes down in verse 5. He, he wants to see what is happening. Now, the, the, the word there, it, it, you can't look at this and say, well, God was sort of asleep at the switch and all of a sudden he came down and goes, oh, my word, what's happening? No, he knew all about it. He understood it. He's sovereign. He comes down to check it out. It's not that God was surprised by this human effort to evade God or to replace God. Verse 6, we see God knows that this project, the Tower of Babel, would be harmful to human beings made in the image of God. If this project were allowed to continue, it would bring great harm to the human beings and to the world in which they inhabited. And so he confuses the languages. And now there are multiple languages being spoken. And apparently people begin to connect with their new language group and begin to spread out over all the earth, which is what they were commanded to do originally. In verse 9, we read that the place was called Babel. Nice little word play in the Hebrew language. Sounds like the word for confusion. God reduces the danger of their unified efforts to get to God on their own and to make a name for themselves. And the language groups of people begin to spread out through the world as God originally commanded. So God sovereignly begins again, as he had to do with the flood, as he had to do with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, as he now has to do with the people involved in this Tower of Babel project, to mitigate the danger that human beings are to themselves when God is pushed out and people begin to try to make a name for themselves and try to earn their way with God in their own strength. Now I want us to start to move us to communion. Now some of you are thinking, how do we get from the Tower of Babel to communion? Well, it's pretty easy really. Every single passage 
in the Bible is focused on Jesus Christ. Now, I don't want to take away from next week's sermon because I'd like you to come back next week. That would be nice. But notice in the very next chapter what God says to Abram that maps onto the Tower of Babel. Genesis 12:1. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. Notice the, con- the sort of the, 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 the contrast here. The, the Tower of Babel project was about making their name great, getting to God on their own power. But in God comes to Abram and says, I'm going to choose you and your family, and I'm going to bring great blessing to your, through your family that will bless all the families of the earth. In other words, all of those language groups that I've, I've created by confusing the language, through you, Abram, I will bless the world through you. And of course, we know, I mean, it's Advent, it's Jesus. The promise to Abraham was fulfilled in Jesus. He's the one who came through the seed of Abram that would bring new life, that would restore us to the image of, of God as we become closer to the image of Jesus Christ. And one day when we see him again, we will be made in his image completely, fully. But it's also is that God said, um, I will make your name great. See, for the the people in the the Tower of Babel, they were going to make their name great through their own efforts. But God, by his grace, is going to make Abram's name great. Not because Abraham, Abram, who became Abraham, is so great. It's because God would bless Abraham. And through the Messiah, Jesus, (coughs) there's a sense in which Abraham becomes great. Not because of himself, but because of Jesus Christ. And that's what this table is all about. Jesus shed his blood to bring us back into a relationship with God. We didn't get to God through our performance. We got to to God through the performance of Jesus dying and sacrificing his life in our place. And it's only in Jesus that we can live out the, the purpose and identity that we have as being made in the image of God because only through the death of Jesus and his resurrection can we be restored into that image that God made us to be. The very purpose and identity that we were made for can only be realized through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And of course, what's beautiful about the Lord's table, when Jesus instituted this for the church of Jesus Christ, he said, I will not drink of the wine and the fruit of the vine until I drink it again with you in my coming kingdom. So that's another reminder 
that in the future, when you take the bread and the cup today, yes, you need to be reminded of what Jesus Christ has done for you. You need to be reminded that your purpose and your identity comes from him. You need to understand that that you're great, so to speak, not because of what you've done, but because of what Christ has done for you. And when you come to Christ, he says, you're in Christ which means all the blessings and beauty of Christ have now been given to you, and that's what makes your name great. We just read from Revelation 3 a little bit, a few minutes earlier, where God will place his name on us, and the name of his coming kingdom on us. He will make our name great. All of our identity, all of our purposes, need to be functionally surrounded by Jesus. And one day in that coming kingdom, the fulfillment of Genesis 12 will happen where all families of the earth will be represented. All those that have come to faith in Jesus Christ, we will enjoy this feast together. And it had nothing to do with our performance. It had nothing to do with making our name great. It had everything to do with what Jesus Christ does for us on that cross.